You're listening to a message from Canby Foursquare Church in Canby, Oregon. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to you. Visit canbyfoursquare.com to learn more. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. It really is good to be home. It's good to be with you again. And we enjoyed our time. Many of you know we were in Albania. We spent time uh, 10 days in Albania with the Albanian pastors. And, and to our surprise, they also gathered pastors from Italy, Spain, the Netherlands, Germany. Uh, several pastors had gathered together. And so we got to be part of this great event. And, and it, was, it was a beautiful thing. And I have to say this was probably, uh, I said this earlier, and Chris said, you say this all the time. It was my favorite time there. And it just keeps getting better and better. And I think the reason why is we're just seeing these, these people uh, in the Balkans. They're continuing just to grow in Jesus. Um, I, I'm going to do this next week. I'm going to give you a fuller report. I'm just kind of giving you a, a teaser right now, a little brush of what happened. But uh, I have to say this. Your generosity has made this. And, uh, and that, that's, not, uh, that's not overstating anything. Your generosity allowed this conference to take place. You sponsored the whole thing. And uh, we're so thankful. You, you gave over $10,000 for, uh, for this to happen. And uh, <clears throat> I was so blessed by that. And I'm glad you did because they had 40 more people than they expected. <laughs> so they, they were full. And they were very full. And it was good to be able to gather together and see what God is up to, what God is wanting to do. God's using uh, the Church of Albania to touch that whole region, to touch the Balkans and to touch the other uh, European nations. And so we're seeing this happen uh, before our very eyes. It, it is just, uh, it's, it's pretty amazing. Am I still on there? I just want to say uh, thank you. Uh, really, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, your generosity really has made a huge difference. And what I'd like to do right now is if we, if you do this with me, let's just join in prayer and let's pray over Albania and their reach into the communities they're part of, but also pray that God's Holy Spirit will open your heart today to receive what he has for you. Uh, I just anticipate he has a lot to tell you today. I just really anticipate that since early this morning, just thinking about you and your time here today and that it will be uh, fruitful for you. Uh, God is going to do a good thing. So, Father, we just thank you today for bringing us together. And what a privilege it is, a privilege for us to come together as we have to worship you, uh, to lift up the holy, the great, the magnificent name of Jesus, a name that is great in all lands, a name that changes lives, that brings salvation and healing. We're so grateful that we fall under this, this banner, the lordship of Jesus Christ, and we, uh, <clears throat> we want to honor you as disciples that follow you, that lend our lives to your service. Today, just bless Albania and the Balkans. Uh, bless that land, a, a Muslim nation uh, that is coming to faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, it's an amazing thing to witness, and so we're so thankful. We pray over the leadership there, over the pastors that are gathering, all of those that are bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ. We pray for your grace and your blessing. And today, Lord, we look forward, we anticipate that you will speak to us, that you speak to us in the way that is intimate, in a way that is profound, in a way that changes our lives. And so we invite your Holy Spirit to do this work in us today. In Jesus' name we pray and we say, amen. 
So go ahead and open your Bibles. If you have your Bible today, open it to John chapter 6. We're looking at the gospel, or excuse me, John chapter 10. We're looking at John chapter 10 today, verses 1 through 10 together. So we want all of you just to go ahead and dive in. We have the scripture on the overhead. We're continuing our series, The Gospel of John, uh, Good News for a Change. And what we're going to look at today is probably uh, one of the most popular passages for, for believers in all of the Bible. And we're going to talk about Jesus being our good shepherd, and that Jesus is the one who leads us and guides us. And today we get to see that. I want to thank Ryan. Ryan, thanks for a great job you did for those last two weeks in John chapters 8 and 9. Those aren't easy to unpack. Uh, I read them, uh, and that's why I gave them to you. And so that's a good one. Uh, but what we want to do today is just uh, dive into this one particular passage of Scripture. Well, you'll never, uh, you'll never find a sports team that will have for its mascot a sheep. Uh, I don't think that's ever going to happen. I've never seen it. Maybe you have, but I haven't. You know, for me, growing up in another state and following college football, I, I always thought, no offense, but I always thought that the Ducks and the Beavers uh, would be, uh, be a difficult one to kind of pull off to be an intimidating kind of animal, a mascot to represent your team. Uh, that's just me. Uh, it's, again, that's no offense. I know we have some people here that, that are Ducks and Beavers fans, but they aren't that intimidating unless, of course, um, unless, of course, they're fighting each other. So you're going to see it's a, toy, uh, you know, a coin toss if the duck or the beaver is going to win, the fighting duck or Benny the beaver. I don't know which one's going to but it did happen. They did fight. Um, the mascots fought each other back in the early 80s. Uh, something happened where the fighting duck walked by Benny the beaver. He said something offensive, and Benny the beaver jumped the duck. I mean, right there, right there, right after the Civil War. He jumped the duck. He's trying to pummel the duck. Security comes. They grab Benny the beaver. They throw him off, and they get there, you know, in their separate corners, and everything simmers down. Now, you might be asking, Ron, how do you know this? I know this because Benny the beaver was one of my best friends. And so we had some conversations about anger management, you know, that when we... We got together, I'm in a small group with him, and we said, you know, we gotta, what, you, you got to cool down. you got to chill when you get there. But I'll tell you something. When you're looking at, at what we're going to look at today, when you're looking at us as the sheep that follow the great shepherd, there are things for us to think about. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb here. As fearsome a mascot might go as a duck or a beaver or a sheep, um, I think they're all probably in the same category. For instance, it comes, if it comes to protecting your property, I'm sure that you don't put on your chain link fence, beware of lamb or sheep. I don't think you would probably say something like, beware of sheep, attack lamb, don't come any further. Lambo is here. There's another one that you could put on your fence. You know, we laugh because we know this. I think all of us understand and know that sheep are docile creatures. They're not known for their strength. They're not known for being fearsome. Uh, you should know when the Bible talks about human beings, talks about you and me, we're often referred to as sheep. We're often referred to this kind of uh, animal. And, and back a couple thousand years ago when Jesus taught about us being sheep and him being the great shepherd, it, it wasn't something that was foreign to their ear. They instinctually understood what Jesus was talking about. Again, that idea of sheep and shepherd is one of the most loved ideas in all the Bible. You go to Psalm 100, for example, it says we are the sheep of his pasture. But oftentimes, it's used in a, a bad way. It's not used in a good way. The prophet Isaiah says, all we like sheep have gone astray. 
other prophets have said similar things, that sheep have this tendency to wander because that's what sheep do. They're prone to wander. One professor of philosophy said that the existence of sheep is evidence against the theory of evolution. <laughs> I like this. Uh, survival of the fittest. They have no way to defend themselves. So if you want to look uh, for a, a, a proper way to go against uh, evolution, you just say sheep. Just say sheep and everybody gets it. But it's no accident that God calls us sheep, especially when we're under pressure. I think that w what we see is our mass mindset, our fears, our timidity. And then there is our stubbornness. And please forgive me for this, but our stupidity. Uh, I think there are things that we do that we look back in our life and we regret. And we look a lot like a sheep. God calls us sheep because he knows people. He calls us sheep because he knows us. But the real point when the Bible talks about sheep and a shepherd, it's not about the sheep. That's, that's, that's not the spotlight when the Bible talks about sheep and shepherds. The spotlight is the shepherd. The spotlight is the greatness of the shepherd that leads us. David said that in Psalm 23. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. You know what David's doing? He's bragging to us about his shepherd. What he's saying is, oh, wow, you, you need to meet my shepherd. You need to know my shepherd. My shepherd is a great shepherd, and he leads us into still waters. He leads us into green pastures. And so when you look at John chapter 10, verses 1 through 10, we get a, a, get a closer look at, at our great shepherd. And so there are a few things that you need to know about this passage of Scripture, John chapter 10, verses 1 through 10. It's divided into two sections. And those two sections deal with location. And it's important that we understand this so we get a real picture of what Jesus is doing, what he's talking about here. The first section is in verses 1 through 5. It's the village scene. Now think with me for a moment. This is about a communal sheepfold. And oftentimes those communal sheepfolds were right in the middle of the village, right in the middle of the town. Uh, they were fortified. They were, they were gated. They, they were watched over. And so Jesus, in these first five verses, is addressing the village sheepfold. But then you go and he talks about another sheepfold. He does that in verses 6 through 10. Uh, and he talks about a countryside sheepfold. It's, it's, it's more in the wilderness. It's, it's more in the wild. And Jesus addresses both of those. First is the shepherd gathering his flock in verses 1 through 5. And then the second is the shepherd guiding his flock in verses 7 through 10. Now listen to what it says here. Jesus is speaking, and, uh, and, and he's saying some things that address the Pharisees and the leaders of his day. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And when he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. If you have a red letter Bible, you've had red letters all the way to this point, and now you go to black letters, verse 6, because there's a little shift, a little change that takes place. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. 
And then he goes on and he explains this a little further in the second scene. He says this, therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate or I am the door. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and they will go out and they will find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, only to kill, only to destroy. I have come that they may have life and they have it to its fullest. What a beautiful passage. Oftentimes we memorize this passage of scripture, at least the imagery of it growing up in Sunday school, whatever it is, wherever we are. I think most of us remember something like this when we're talking about the great shepherd. Now, here's something helpful for us to understand. And I mentioned this already, but there are two different kinds of sheepfolds, one a village, the other the countryside. In verse five, the first five verses is the village sheepfold. And in every village in the ancient Middle East, there were and there was a communal sheepfold again in the middle of the town. Every shepherd in the village would put their their sheep in this communal sheepfold. I mean, all of them. So you, you could have hundreds of sheep in this one common place in the middle of the village. It's an enclosure. Uh, you, you would take them there at night and you would go and get them, you know, the next morning in the fold uh, or uh, the enclosure that Jesus speaks of here. What he's talking about in this first section, he's talking about Judaism. He, he's saying here, you, Jew, the, the, the Jews were in a, a fold and Jesus is addressing those that were supposed to lead that fold, the Pharisees, and he's saying, you guys have done a horrible job. And he refers to them here as thieves and robbers. That's what he's calling them. So you have to understand what's going on here because this story is connected to chapter 9. Remember, there's no separation there between chapter 9 and chapter 10. This is a continual story. What Jesus is talking about is connected to chapter 9 when the blind man who Jesus healed was excommunicated. Jesus finds him and brings him back in to his fold, his followers, his disciples. See, that's what's, what's taking place here. And they were, the Pharisees, were charged with pastoring or overseeing those people. To really understand the story, I think, again, you need to connect it to chapter 9 and understand what's going on there. He was, this man, listen, was excommunicated from the synagogue. Excommunicated because Jesus took mud and his spit and he touched his eyes and he was healed. And I love the dialogue. Uh, we, we went over it. Ryan went over it last week. But if you read the dialogue, man, that guy, he, he, was, he, he was pretty smart. I mean, the way he conversed with the Pharisees, a little cheeky at times, but really good at explaining what had happened to him and everything that he knew. He was a blind man that was healed. Jesus found him and includes him. Now, I want you to get the impact of all this, being excommunicated by the family, the church, the people that you, you really, you've really been part of. Um, I think there are probably a lot of us in this room that have experienced something similar uh, where there's pain. Uh, there's pain because the people that you trusted in, you believed, uh, um, they, they didn't want you around anymore. They didn't want you included. And, and to, to have this sense of someone reaching out to you and bringing you in and including you, the, the, the emotional and spiritual healing has to be phenomenal. It has to be phenomenal in this man's life. Because later on in chapter 9, 
it says that Jesus had this conversation with him, and he said, do you believe? And he says, yes, I believe. I believe that you are my Lord. You are my shepherd. And he turned that day to follow him. Listen, what you need to know, I think, is for me it's important to know, is that we are included that all of us in this room, all those that call on the name of Jesus, are included into this sheepfold. We're included to be the sheep of his pasture, the sheep of his hand. That is the message that John wants you to know, that you are absolutely included. So this good shepherd goes in the morning, and he finds his flock, and he leads them out. And the good shepherd is Jesus. We know that in this story. Jesus does three things here that I want to explain to you. He does three things that we want to pay attention to because these are the mark of a good shepherd. You, you can't say he's a good shepherd and then have no evidence that he's a good shepherd. You can't say he's a good shepherd and just wish he was a good shepherd. There are reasons Jesus is called the good shepherd. Number one is this. He comes the right way. Number two is he calls the right way. Number three, he conducts himself in the right way. Now, you notice in verse 1, the uh, analogy that Jesus begins with is, is pretty negative. I mean, he starts with this negative commentary about thieves and robbers. And he says, that's you guys, the Pharisees. And he, he talks to them in that way. But then you go on a little further and you recognize when Jesus is addressing them, he's saying, you guys are sheep rush, rustlers. You guys, you guys aren't in this for the right reasons. You're in this for the wrong reasons. You rob, you steal. The Pharisees were hostile to the blind man, to Jesus, and everyone who called upon Jesus. They were hostile to this group of new sheep that Jesus was gathering together. Again, they kicked the blind man out of the fold. They were sheep rustlers, and that's what Jesus is saying. Now, in contrast to the sheep stealers, Jesus says in verse 2, and you want to go there, it says, the one who enters the gate or the door is the shepherd of the sheep. I love this. You know what it says? These are my sheep. I can come through the front door. I don't have to climb over the wall. I don't have to be sneaky about this. I don't have to be deceptive because these sheep are my sheep. It's kind of like going home at night. I mean, when I go home at night, I go home from work. I, I drive up in a driveway. Uh, I don't go through a window when I go to my house. Uh, I don't have to go even through the garage door if I don't want to. I go through the front door. The reason I go through the front door is that's my sheepfold. That, that's where I live. That's, it, it, it belongs to me. I, over, I oversee that fold. And so I, I go in there, and I, I go in boldly. And I say, this, this, is, this is my house. This is where I live. And that's the point here. Jesus comes the right way because he is the true shepherd. He comes in because he is the great shepherd. He came from heaven to earth. Think about this. He came from heaven to earth, took upon himself the form of a man. He took upon himself the form of flesh. He came after 300 prophetic words were spoken of him. He perfectly fits the messianic description given to us in the Old Testament. The son of David, born in the town of Bethlehem, raised in Nazareth, did all these things and fulfills 300 prophetic words, you're looking at the great shepherd. You're looking at the great shepherd that Isaiah spoke of, that Jeremiah spoke of, that Amos spoke of, that all the prophets spoke of. They said, that's him. He is the great shepherd. He comes in the right way. Verse 3 tells us that he not only comes in the right way, but he calls the right way. 
Look at what it says. He calls his own sheep by name. See, when the sheep were all together, think about this for a moment. The sheep were all together, and we're going back 2,000 years to a, an ancient village sheepfold, and all the shepherds come out in the morning, and when they look into this sheepfold, there are no brandings, there are no distinguishing marks on those sheep. It's just a bunch of sheep. So when you step up there, how do you know which sheep are your sheep? Who's who in all of this? Well, there's a way. There's a way that they would come together because there were no distinguishing marks. What the shepherd would do is he would come to the sheepfold in the morning and he would speak or sing out his particular call to the sheep. It's the same way that you call your dog. Uh, you don't talk to your dog when you talk to a human. I've heard some of you. You know, come here, Rusty. Oh, yeah, come here. Well, you don't talk to people that way, but just like the shepherd talks to the sheep, same thing. They had their own sound. They, they had their, their voice, and it wasn't, it wasn't the normal conversation voice. It's a voice that, that was recognized. Each shepherd had this distinct pitch, his tone, an inflection that his sheep recognized as being his master. So they heard the voice, and they said, that's my master. Can you imagine the picture of what it looks like? I mean, this mass of sheep. I mean, they're just, they're just all crowded into a pen, and the shepherd's standing around and calling, and every one of the shepherd's sheep go to the right master. That's remarkable, because all of them had a voice that they understood. So when Jesus Christ came to this earth, many in Israel did not recognize him. He, he called them as their, his shepherd or their shepherd. He spoke to them. The Bible says that he came unto his own and his own didn't receive him. What a, what a tragedy when, when you think about this. His own nation, his own people, his own group, and they don't hear his voice, his pitch, his tone, his words, with the exception of a few. A handful did gather around him. In verse 3, it says, he calls them by what? I love this. Remember this. He calls them by name. What does that tell you about a shepherd? That tells me this. He intimately knew his sheep. He, he intimately knew every one of his sheep. And the reason why is because shepherding is not a nine-to-five job. It's not a job you check in in the morning and check out at night. It's a 24-7 job. Your life is the life of a shepherd. You spend your life with your sheep. And when you spend that much time with your sheep, you get to know your sheep. And that was the way of an eastern shepherd. They would get to know each one of their sheep. They knew who they were. Isn't a name, a name is a personal thing, isn't it? I mean, when you think about this, you can, you can be in a crowded room. You could hear your name from across that room. You recognize it. You hear it. It's personal. Especially if that one calling your name out is someone you know, someone you love. There, there's something about hearing my name come from Annette's mouth. There's just something that happens there. It's validating. It's comforting, unless I'm in trouble. But then there's other things that happen. But when you hear the one you love call your name, there's emotions that stir inside that don't happen any other way. You hear your name called. What you need to understand, what I want to embrace today, is the great shepherd knows your name. He calls your name because he knows you. 
He knows who you are. He knows what you're going through. Listen, everyone needs to know that the good shepherd knows their name. You know, when you know that the good shepherd knows your name, you'll never be lost. You'll never be alone. You'll, you'll never be excluded. When you know that the great shepherd knows your name and he knows who you are. So he comes the right way. He calls the right way. And then the third thing is he conducts or he leads the right way. When you process this, when you pull this passage apart, look at the end of verse 3. It says, Jesus says, and he leads them out. This can't be overstated. He's talking about the fold. He's leading them out. He's leading them out. And listen, what does he do? It says here, he leads them out. He goes before them. I love that. Notice what it says. He goes before them. I want you to think about how that contrasts to some of the leadership styles that you've been exposed to over the years. I mean, uh, I've had leaders in my life that tell me what to do, you know, and, and, and then they go their own way. I've had leaders in my life that tell me what to do, but they don't do what they tell me what to do. They, they do something different. Listen, when you have a leader that goes out ahead of you, that, that is willing to take on whatever is out there, whatever unknown adversaries that might come your way, you're following the right leader. And I love that statement. It says that Jesus goes out before them. He goes out ahead of them. His sheep follow him. Why? Again, because they know his voice. Listen, there's a difference between Western shepherding and Eastern shepherding. I want to tell you what it is. Western shepherding is more about driving the sheep. Uh, they use dogs, they use horses, and it, it, it puts a lot of stress on a fold. It puts a lot of stress on a flock, but that's the way the Western uh, way of shepherding uh, really comes down, goes down. But in the East, the shepherd does, he goes out ahead of his sheep. A few years ago, Annette and I were driving in a back road in Albania. It was, I mean, it was just about dark. There was no one out there. And all of a sudden, we see sheep coming our way, right on the highway. It's like, whoa, they're coming our way. They're headed this way. Notice the, the picture on the left. You see the shepherd there? He's got a staff, and where is he? he he's out ahead. And, and what we did is we rolled down our windows, and we heard this guy talking. And I thought, well, that's kind of strange because there's no humans around here. I mean, I don't know who he's talking to. And I went, oh, he's talking to his sheep. That's how the sheep get to know who he is. And he would be talking. And then we heard this noise that kind of took us back. It, it actually was a little freaky. We heard this noise of like babies crying. It was, ooh, it was like, uh, brah, you know, they were crying. I thought, what is that? Well, we looked closer, and a shepherd had lamb in one hand by all fours, carried him upside down. Had another lamb by all fours, carrying him upside down. And he was walking down the road, those lambs, rah, and he was talking to him. He was just talking to him. And I thought, oh, my goodness, that's Jesus. He knows this. He knows that those lambs can't keep up with this flock. But even more importantly, he wants those lambs to hear his voice when they're little. He wants them to hear what he has to say. He wants them to be close to him. He leads them out. That's what the scripture says. Out of what? Again, he's leading them out of Judaism. Into the new. He's leading them from the old into the new where there is a peace, where there is nourishment. Now, there's a great lesson here, and I want, you to, I want you to get this lesson. I don't want you to miss this lesson because we 
learn something here. We learn to trust the leading of our shepherd. I think that's a, a great lesson for me here. When I'm, when, I'm, when I'm reading this story, when I'm reading this passage of scripture, that the lesson is I need to trust in the shepherd who is leading me. Now, today, maybe he's leading some, some of you out of something. That's just the nature of a shepherd. He might be leading you out of religious hypocrisy. He might be leading you out of a sinful relationship. He might be leading you out of spiritual arrogance. But be sure, the good shepherd, when he leads you out, he's leading you out for your good for your nourishment, for your strength. He wants to take you to places where you'll grow. Now, notice in verse 7. In verse 7, we see the shift now. We're going from the village scene to the countryside. It's like watching a movie. There's two different scenes going on here. There's a shift. Verses 1 through 5 is about the shepherd gathering his flock. In verses 7 through 10, the shepherd is now guiding his flock. Listen to what, I, I read it before, but listen to what it says here. In, in these verses, it says, therefore, Jesus said again. So you're going to hear some things repeated. Said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate or the door for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. I am the door. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and they'll go out. They'll find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it to its fullest. Wow. Now the second time Jesus talks here, the scene has shifted. It shifts again from the village to the countryside. And in this scene, it's no longer morning. Morning has passed when the shepherd calls a sheep now. It's mid-afternoon while, while they're in the pasture, where they're grazing out in the wild. That's what you see here. Jesus says he is the good shepherd in verse 11 and in verse 14. But now he says something else. And I don't, I don't want you to miss this. He says something else. And, and I, I read this and I thought, wow, he's kind of mixing his metaphors. What is he saying here? He's saying, I am the door. I am the gate. Well, wait a minute. How, how, are, how can you be the shepherd and how can you be the door? I mean, you're, you're confusing me, Jesus. What's happening here? But here's the answer. The shepherd is the door. The shepherd is the door when the sheep are grazing in the wild. Because in the village, there's a fortified fold. In the countryside, and if you've been there and looked or seen the fields of Bethlehem, you see little folds that are maybe maybe this high where there's rocks stacked and, and then you, you look and you see the enclosures, but there's no real technical gate or wood gate. It's an opening. That's all it is. It's just an, it's just an opening. And so at night, what happens is the shepherd calls his sheep in who know his voice. They come into that fold and he becomes the door. He lays down right in the doorway. And he does it to keep the sheep in, but to keep the wolves out. You see, he sleeps right there. He is the door. So anything, any adversary that comes after you has to go through him. Jesus is the door. When I read this, I think, Lord, 
You've put us in a place where we can thrive because you become our door. He is the door for us, for you and for me. And here's what the door can do and what he says about himself being the door. Number one, Jesus is the door of salvation. Notice what he says here. He says, again, three things about, about him being the door, being the gate. He, he says, I am the door of salvation. And there's only one door. Hear this. There's only one door in the sheepfold, and it's Jesus Christ. And that explains some of the other stories that he tells us, some of the other truths that he speaks to us. Re remember what he says, narrow is the way to me, broad is the way to sin. What is he saying? He's referring us to that door. He's saying narrow is that way. You have to come through the door. You have to come through me. There's no other way. You can't go over the wall. You can't sneak around. You come one way, and there's only one way. And let us understand this. There's no compromise when we talk about Jesus being the only way, the only truth, and the only life. That's a fact. We go through him. He is the door of salvation. So this explains that there is no other way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And he goes on. He goes on a little further. When you look at verse 9, Jesus says this. He says this about being the door of salvation. He says they'll go in and they'll come out to the pastures that are green. That they have this permission to go to places to be fed. What does that mean? He's not only the door of salvation, but he's the door of provision. So when you follow your great shepherd, the Bible tells us that there is provision for us, that his sheep will go in and out and find green pastures. They will find still waters. There is an abundance of food because why? The shepherd is caring for his sheep. There's never a moment when you're absent of anything you need to be a healthy sheep. Now, if you don't want to be a happy sheep, there's a way to do that too. If you don't want to be a happy sheep, stay at a distance. Wander. Believe you know better than the shepherd. That's a good way. Make up your own rules. That's how you live an unhappy life. But if you want to live a happy life and want to be a happy sheep, I want you to remember this. Remember, safety and blessing is directly proportional to proximity. Your blessing is directly related to how close you are to Jesus Christ, the great shepherd, always. In Psalm 96, David says, we are the people of his pasture and what? The sheep of his hand. I like the pasture. I think that's pretty cool. And I want to be, I want to be a sheep of the pasture. I want to be one, I want to be one of those. But you know what I really want to be? I want to be a sheep of his hand. Because when I'm close, when I'm located next to him, then there's blessing in my life. There's provision that's in my life. That's what the Bible tells us. And so here's where we finish this. And that's with Jesus being the door of satisfaction. He's the door of salvation. He's the door of provision. But he's also the door of satisfaction. And I, I love this. I, I love verse, verse 10. Can I pull that apart a little bit for you? Because it, it really has some pretty significant things here for us to notice. And in fact, um, probably for me, the most significant is just that last phrase here. I'll read the whole thing, but it's the last phrase. It says, 
the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I want you to stop right there. That word thief means this. It's interesting. It's a sneaky thief. It's not a thief that comes in violently. It's not a thief that comes in and says, hey, I'm here to steal, rob, and destroy you. That's, that's not the word here. The word here is different. It's a sneaky thief. It's the kind of thief that pickpockets you and you don't know it for 24 hours. You've been robbed. You didn't know you were robbed. You don't even know who robbed you. That's the very precise here. That's the kind of thief that Jesus is talking about here. Why? Because it's that kind of thief that can use words and persuasion and manipulation to get you to believe and do things that are opposed to following Jesus as your great shepherd. That's a, that's a sneaky thief. And then it goes on. It says, I have come. He's contrasting himself. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. That last statement, have it to the full, it is packed. It is packed with such imagery and such meaning. Do you know what the word habit means? It means to fasten to superabundance. That's what it means. Because the word here for to the full or abundant life, it means whatever you imagine abundance is, whatever you can come up with in your, in your head and you can try to think about what abundance is for you, the definition of abundance, Think again, because what he's saying here, as much as you can try to imagine it, it's much more than that, goes beyond human comprehension. It's something you can never imagine. That's super abundance. Wow. So whatever you think God does for you that's really, really good, he goes beyond you're really, really good. He goes to another place. He goes to other places that blesses us. And how does he do that? Those that have it, I love that. We're fastened to superabundance. It means when Jesus is our great shepherd, we're bound to him. We're tied to him. <laughs> that that, that, that it, it can, I can't help but be blessed when I'm in proximity of the great shepherd. That superabundance will be mine when I'm in the proximity of the great shepherd. I'm fastened to him. He doesn't make that choice for you, by the way. He doesn't. You have to make that choice. You, you have to say, yeah, I want to be fastened to him. <laughs> and I want to get my mind blown because I'm thinking this is abundance. But woo, God, you have a whole different definition of abundance. And it's beyond whatever I can imagine. Whatever I can comprehend, it goes way beyond that. That's being a satisfied life. That's living a life of satisfaction. Jesus has come to give us life. Not life that gets by without purpose or promise. He says there's a great life here. It's a life in its fullest. It's a life that's abundant. This word does. It literally means life in super abundance. So here's a question. The question I had to ask myself was this. As one of his sheep, do I reflect the abundant life of my shepherd? Do others see the abundance of Jesus all over me? Does my life advertise abundance or spiritual poverty? Does my life say, come on in? Or does it say, stay out? 
You see, when I'm connected to the great shepherd, my life needs to reflect the great shepherd, the abundance of the great shepherd. And the way that happens is drawing close to him so that you know his voice and you can hear your name. That's the beauty of the intimacy that we can have with the great shepherd. So what a difference our lives makes when we reflect the abundance and satisfaction that comes through Jesus Christ, that all of our victories, all of our successes are based on the love and care of one shepherd. Not everything else. Not everything else that's going on around you. People looking for satisfaction, people looking for fulfillment in a lot of different ways, a lot of different ways, but it's only going to come one way, and that's through one shepherd. The shepherd who laid down his life for his sheep do you know what makes him the good shepherd for us? What makes him our good shepherd is, first of all, he loves us personally. He knows us intimately, and he invites us into eternity with him. That is a great shepherd. That's worth following. He knows your name. Would you just bow your head with me? I'm going to wrap it up here just for a moment. And today... You know, one of the things I was thinking about early this morning, woke up early this morning, just praying for our time together, and and um, the thing that occurred to me, because I've lived this, I've experienced this, is what Isaiah said and what I quoted early on was, we are sheep that are prone to wander. And what I want to do is just address those sheep that are wandering right now, whether you're watching on YouTube or Facebook or where, wherever you're at, whether you're here, whether you might hear this later the week, in the week, are you a wanderer right now? What, what is your proximity? What is your location in reference to the great shepherd? Are you near? Are you far? Are you wandering? Because that matters. That really matters as to whether that safe and blessed life can be mine. He loves you. He cares for you. But you're the one that decides where you're going to be in relationship with him. Today, I want to pray for the wandering sheep. I know what that's like. I know what it feels like. And I want our wandering sheep to know that you can come home to Jesus you made a commitment before. You've accepted Jesus into your heart. Maybe it was when you were a child, maybe a teenager, maybe maybe just not too long ago. But you found your life is prone to wander, and you're right there now. That's where you're at. So I want to I want to pray. That's who I want to pray for right now. I want to pray for the wandering sheep in the fold of Jesus Christ. Father, I just pray in Jesus' name um, for everyone in this room, everyone that hears this message that. Um, that they identify right now. They, they, yep, I'm one of those wandering sheep. I'm, I haven't been in proximity to the great shepherd in a while. And I've seen blessings slip away. I've seen things turn a different way, a way that was hard to watch. So today, Lord, you invite them in. You invite them to come. You invite them to walk close to you, to be close to you. Thank you for that. 
We want to hear your voice. And we do that when we draw close to you. And with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if that prayer was for you or about you, just lift your hand up and put it down. That's all you need to do is just make an acknowledgement. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, just out of a making that acknowledgement or saying, yep, that's me. So, Father, you've seen the confession that's been made here by the lifting of hands, by the words that will be spoken after this time together, maybe even by the prayer time that people will be spending up front here with others. Lord, we just pray that we take those steps to draw close to you. Thank you for your faithfulness, your grace, and your invitation to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray, and we say, Amen. Thank you for listening. Please let us know if you have questions or would like us to pray with you. You can contact the church office most weekdays at 503-266-4444 and anytime through canbefoursquare.com.